Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like we always do with this time, I go for mine, I get to shine, now throw your hands up in the sky, go for mine, I get to shine, now throw your hands up in the sky. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Charlie Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. No guests this week. Second to last episode of the season. We're super excited, even though it's, you know, a set end. But, you know, this has been an up and down roller coaster season. Steven, how are you doing tonight? I'm good, man. Good. Uh, nice little break. You know, I missed uh, missed being on the show, but I got to admit, it was kind of nice just to have the, the Christmas week off. But uh, glad to be back. How you doing, man? You look uh, well rested, relaxed. You were in Jamaica. <laughs> how was it? Everything good? Yeah, everything is good. Um, it was definitely nice to be there. I was able to watch the game. Thank, thankful for the people of Jamaica for getting that, uh, the Fox game. I don't know how they did it, but it happened, and I watched it by the pool. Um, but, yeah, it was nice to have a week off. It was weird because it was only the second time either of us have taken a week off since the show started in May. And, obviously, we're about to head towards a little bit of a break until March. But, um, you know, Overall, I mean, it was a good game on Sunday. Obviously, they lost, which you can point in both ways that it's beneficial for the team, whether they won or they lost the game. Draft position if they lost. And if they won, you know, you beat the defending champions. And quite frankly, the Jets were the better team on, on Sunday. It's not even really like a debate here. They outplayed them. And Tom Brady just pulled the Tom Brady, which he does to every team, which he's been doing for the last 20 years. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um you know, for draft position, it obviously makes sense. Uh, me personally, I'm kind of tired of rooting for December losses. So obviously I was rooting for the Jets to win. Uh, specifically when you go up against uh, a guy that you hate, albeit uh, admittedly a little bit less now uh, that he's in Tampa. But, uh, you know, when you go up against Tom Brady and you're, you know, you go toe to toe with him and you got him on the ropes and you got the chance to beat him, you, you definitely want to pull through. So um, it was a fun game to watch. Uh, you can kind of watch it with, uh, you know, with no real, um, repercussions if they lose, uh, honestly. So it was good. Uh, honestly, the, I mean, the team just looked good all around. And like you said, you know, they, they led for all of 15 seconds or all but 15 seconds. So um, to go and to play Tampa, even though Tampa was a little wounded, I mean, you, can't, you say the same thing about the Jets. The Jets are, are definitely uh, bringing knives to gunfights here. And it's not easy, but to hold their own and, and hold that lead for as long as they did and to have a chance really to put them away um, outside of a bizarre, you know, play call, miscommunication, you know, whatever you want to call it. I know we'll probably dive deeper into that later in the show, um, but to have them on the ropes like that and to be able to go up against the defending champs being um, as undermanned as they were and have Zach hold his own. The defense looked good for a change. 
Um, it was nice. It was nice to see. And I think uh, once that game was over and you sat back for a couple of minutes, you realized that this is uh, ultimately it's a good thing. It's And you're seeing the progress, not only from Zach Wilson, not only from the coaching staff, from the entire team. Um, and that's where you kind of see the foundation and, and what Robert Sala's vision that he's been preaching for so long. You can kind of see that uh, coming to light now. And I think there's a clear path for the offseason and what they have to do. So all good things, man. I think uh, when you look back at it, it's probably best case scenario, what happened? You know, Zach looks good, goes toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, and uh, ultimately the Jets still lose, maintain their draft position, and still have four picks in, what, the top 38 now. Yeah. I mean, listen, obviously winning that game would have been a really cool feeling, especially because it's probably the last time Tom Brady's ever going to play the Jets in his career. And it would have been nice to get one last laugh with him. I'm, I'm happy Brandon Eccles got that autograph because I think that was just a cool feeling. He's one of like 200 people in the history of the NFL to pick off Tom Brady. So like, why not? But yeah. I do want to start with Zach because he's obviously been a big topic of conversation because of the fourth and two play. We can talk about that later, but I want to just talk about how he performed. And this was his best game from start to finish. And it's not even close. I mean, obviously the stat line is not going to you know wow you because he threw for, you know, what, like 240 yards. He had a touchdown. But it's what you were seeing him do throughout the game. He looked comfortable. He was looking, he was trusting his reads. He was hitting every short throw that we were complaining that he wasn't making. He made some eye-popping throws, specifically that one play to Barrios, where I don't even know how he got that ball in the window and Barrios catching the ball. And also that play to Keelan Cole, which got tackled at like the one yard line, which was such a nice throw. And it was just so frustrating. But this is the best he's looked since he put on a jet uniform. I know the Titans game was a lot of flash, but this was a better game because it wasn't just like a couple big plays the whole game. Whenever he was out there, he just looked comfortable and he was just executing. It's like, this is what you want to see. This is the progress you want to see. And most importantly, he's protecting the football Four straight games on interception. And he's, I think he has one fumble in that four game period. So it's like, that's something that's not really common for rookie quarterbacks. Typically they throw a lot of interceptions because they don't realize the windows that they cannot hit because the NFL guys are faster and smarter and they just know how to, read quarterbacks who don't know what they're doing. And I just got to say, I'm really happy to see what I saw on Sunday and I'm really excited to see what he could do against another good defense next week. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the good sign is that, you know, over the course of the last four to five weeks, um, all of those games, maybe outside of one, you could say we're like debatable as, you know, is that Zach's best game? So the mere fact that we're talking about that, I think is a good sign. And to your point, we're seeing the progression here. I think when uh, when he went down with the injury and, and we thought we all thought some time off would probably do him some good. And we said that when he came back, the two things that we probably like to see improved upon the most were one, eliminating turnovers and two, starting to hit the layups and hit the short throws and be, you know, be better at that. He's clearly started to eliminate the turnovers. Uh, you, you just hit it. No, no interceptions in four games, only one fumble in, in those four, I believe. Um, you're just seeing it. He's being more careful with the ball all while doing this without top weapons, without uh, two-fifths of his offensive line. Um, you know, so you can't say that it's been easy for him uh, because he's been down men, but he's doing it and he's looking the part. And I think that's the uh, the biggest thing is that you're seeing improvement in that area. While I do still think the second thing of being able to hit the layup still needs to improve, you can see improvement and progress that's been made throughout the course of the last four or five, six games. Um, he's not missing the wide open screens like he was that, you know, we saw in the Atlanta game in London where he missed Jameson Crowder, which would have probably been a touchdown um, or things like that. There's still improvement there. I think he missed Croft. Uh, I want to say last week on an easy screen, but that's debatable as well. So you're seeing the improvement and honestly, you're seeing the improvement from the overall offense. I mean, you can't give enough credit to Mike LaFleur and what he's done and 
the way that he's gotten Zach to kind of get in a groove early in games to get him in a rhythm to be able to have success throughout the game. And I think that's uh, Michael Floyd. The fact that some fans were calling for his head in September is just crazy. He, you talk about the most improved jet, uh, regardless, either player coach, you got to give it to him. Right. Um, So outside of that, I just think it's good to see Zach and the progression that he's made. And to be honest with you now, he has kept us in games, whether we've won or lost outside of really new Orleans in the last six weeks, they've been competitive and going up against Tom Brady and the groove that he was in and, and how he was playing. And I think it was nice to see that he had that confidence. So even though the second to last possession, they went three and out when they got the ball back up 24 to 20, what did he do? He marched down the field. He had them in position, had them on a fourth and two inside the you know five or 10 yard line, whatever it was with a chance to win the game. So I think that's a learning experience. I think that they'll be able to build on in the future um, situational football that, you know, hold no for next year. The coaching staff will know for next year, but all of these things are good signs and you can see the progress and the trajectory and that it's pointing in the right direction, not only for Zach, but for this young team. Definitely. And listen, we'll talk about now just the fourth and two play, because it's obviously been a big topic of conversation because there's been, some remarks made about Zach, how it's like a character issue that he was trying to be the guy with the glory, which I strongly disagree with. Granted, I'm not talking to anyone specifically in the building right now, but I've obviously heard from people and stuff like that. But to blame him and say it's a character issue is one thing, but he maybe just, he made a mistake. Rookies make mistakes. I mean, I wrote this in my article this week that does anyone remember when Trevor Lawrence spiked the ball when he didn't need to against the Jets? That happens, especially for young quarterbacks. So it's like he made a mistake. We clearly saw that if Barrios had that ball, they probably win the game. And it sucks because that would have been such a good feeling for Jets fans because there's been so much pain in the season. But you want to see progress and you want to see like where we're headed in the future, which I still believe is very bright. And I'm excited for 2022 as we close out this season and go into next. But I just don't think it's fair to him to be like his character issue. He's just he's selfish. He just wants to score, get the winning play. It's like, guys, he's a football player, man. He just wants to win the game. I don't think he cares about how it's done. I mean, if he cared so much about that, he'd be forcing a lot more, which he stopped doing. Now he's just trying to execute the offense the way it's designed. And you're seeing that every week for the last month. So I just don't like how, you know, Willie Bart and Leger were saying that it's just, it's just lazy. And I feel like it's just for attention. And like, you got to love what Costello wrote in the post. He was saying about Bart Scott, how, you know, he had character issues and he wasn't saying anything about Willie or Leger, but like, come on, man, like it's stupid. And you're, you work for the jets and you're supposed to be a guy who's like, you know, supporting the jets and you're putting that stuff out there. It's just stupid. Like, what's the point of that? It's uh, it's definitely frustrating, especially because I mean, those guys were great jets that uh, we absolutely loved, you know, when they were playing, they had nice careers uh, overall, but definitely, you know, in the green and white. So it, de- it puts a damper on it, um, really, which is disappointing. And, and for, you know, for Bart Scott to come out and say, you know, after one play that, that that defines who Zach Wilson is and what his character is like and that he's a selfish person because he wants to get the glory and he wants to make that first down against Tom Brady and, you know, come up and, and pound his chest and all that stuff. I just I can't see how you could have a definitive um answer on what Zach Wilson's character is a, you know, not knowing him and B just from one play. Um, so it's really, it's just disappointing overall, uh, honestly. And I, I can't, you know, I can't pretend to know what the reasoning behind it was. Um, but I think with these things, usually, uh, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And at this point, there's no smoke. Everything that we've heard 
uh, about Zach Wilson from people within the organization. Um, have nothing but good things to say about him. That he's a great teammate. Um, that he's a hard worker. And, and so this just uh, you know kind of to your point, just reeks of you know wanting to make a point, wanting to uh, you know get clicks or get likes or, or whatever, get views, whatever that may be. Because um, I think it uh, you know I'm not within the I'm not in the organization. I don't have sources either, but. Um, I think this just couldn't be further from the truth. And it's, uh, it's just kind of disappointing that, that that's, you know, where we landed after a, a rookie mistake on a fourth and two call. That was a, yeah. a miscommunication. And that's, that's, you know, that where it's, that's what it was. Life is full of miscommunication, no matter what your <laughs> profession is. It's just stupid. And, you know, if Zach had such a character issue, you know, CJ Mosley won MVP of the team and, you know, so much praise from the team today. He quotes what he had saying, he's like, I'm lucky to have this guy coming into the league. He's, he's so valuable to this team, and I'm so thankful to be playing with him. I, he doesn't have to say that. He, he could say that if he wants. Like, he doesn't have to, and he said it. So I just – let's put that away. I mean, like, listen, if people think – if things happen in the future and he says things, he always handles himself like a professional. Whenever he speaks to the media, he's never said anything. Like, you know, like he's coming off, like, conceited, which is what people thought because – he grew up in a wealthy family, which is stupid. Like he's allowed to have success as a football player. I mean, like he's got to prove it on the field, but like his, his past aside doesn't mean anything. He's just, he's his own person. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. I just, uh, everything the kid has done since coming on board here, since being drafted, um, reeks nothing of, of having any character issues. So, uh, I think Bart, Leger, Willie are way off base. Um, I, Listen, you can get mad at the play call all you want. You can get mad at the coaching staff. Or, Which or, I was. Know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for for even having that as an option. And I think, you know, I, I tend to trust Robert Sala uh, probably too much. Um, you know, and he came out and said, like, listen, you know, it's it's on us to eliminate that as even an option. Um, but from what I understand, it was, uh, you know, read the defense. If, if the A-gap's open, you know, you take it. Brandon was a fourth and two. Zach probably should have known better. And hindsight being 2020, you hand it to Braxton there, and it looks like he's going in and, and the game's over. But – it's, you know, there's no one's going to look back on this game three, four years from now, uh, you know, when something good or bad happens for, for the Jets and say, well, it's because of this moment right here where the Jets messed up on that fourth and two call. Like the season's over, the, the win or loss, it doesn't matter. It's a learning experience. I think ultimately the team will be better for it. And let's just uh, try to put what uh, what SNY and the post game show was saying uh, in the back burner and, and, you know, let it be in the rearview mirror. <laughs> Agreed. I want to move to another area of the team that you kind of touched on a little bit, but we got to give a lot of credit to the offensive line. There's been a ton of injuries. Obviously, Becton hasn't played since week one. You know, Fant left the game early, which doesn't seem like an ACL, which is good because that means he'll be healthy probably by the time uh, training camp opens. But you got to give a lot of credit to LDT. I mean, he has been a revelation for this team. I mean, think about this. Joe Douglas traded Daniel Brown, who's back on the Jets, for LDT who granted, I don't know why, I know the Chiefs like reshifted their entire offensive line. He hadn't played in 2020 because he opted out to actually help in Canada with the hospitals for COVID. And he ever since the Jets got him and put him in the lineup, they're number two in the league in yards per carry. And you could see the difference. The Jets couldn't run the ball. They were like getting like 60 yards every week. Now they're actually like going over 100 and it's really helping balance out the offense. And I think that was a huge issue early on why we were seeing such offensive ineptitude because they couldn't establish the run. Now they're more balanced. And now like with this blocking, it's been great. I mean, AVT is just a stud. You see every week, he's just always mauling people. I know he pancakes some guy and they posted on the, on Twitter today. It's just, it's awesome. And 
I want to tip my cap to Dan Feeney. And I know when he had DJ on a couple months ago, he was saying, he's like, Dan Feeney's so bad that that's why they keep putting GVR out there. But you know what? He filled in for Connor McGovern and he didn't get blown up. He actually looked pretty good. So I got to give him a lot of credit. I know we'd make fun of him, but the mole actually was cool and he actually played well. So we got to give credit to the line. It's been, it's been awesome to see. And I hope fans healthy. I hope that they bring him back, which I would imagine that they would because his contract is reasonable with the team option, but it's, it's just nice to see that, you know, Zach had a lot of good protection as well on Sunday. I think he was sacked once. Yeah. And kudos to Dan Feeney, uh, like you said, and, you know, no easy task in front of him either going up against uh, Vita Vey and, and, and Dominican Sue, which um, that's a hell of a Sunday. So he came in, filled in nicely. Uh, it's, you know, the offensive line in general, credit to Michael Floor, credit to John Benton for doing the job they did. I feel like overall the offensive line has been we've had kind of a roller coaster season. I remember before the season when uh, they had just signed Morgan Moses and you mean, uh, and actually we had Joe Caparoso on and we were talking and, you know, you, you think about it and you're like, okay, you got, you know, Mackay on the left side, um, AVT uh, at left guard, uh, McGovern, who you feel, you know, pretty good about GVR is the, ob- the obvious weak link at right guard. And then Moses at right tackle with fan as your swing and think about how we finished the season, right. Um, with Mackay down and LDT comes in, uh, Connor McGovern had a, you know, kind of a rough start, but, you know, started playing well before getting hurt. Um, so overall, I mean, this unit has been very impressive and getting much like Zach Wilson, steady progression. And those two are obviously correlated. Um, so credit to the coaching staff for doing what they've done, uh, especially being, injured uh, like they are and having to plug and play uh, credit to Joe Douglas for getting LDT the way that he did and, and for plugging him in. Cause clearly, like you said, you know, the, the running game has been outstanding um, since putting him in the starting lineup. And I got to say, I mean, definitely from, from the offensive side of the ball and, and from let's back it up from a whole team standpoint, I'd say it's really close uh, from like, if you're going to ask what your most impressive unit has been, Outside of maybe the young cornerback group, I think it's it's definitely the offensive line. You got to be crazy. happy with them. It's and crazy it, to say it that because you really thought it was going to be a weak link, and it, especially considering the injuries they've had. So kudos to them. Uh, they've really they've played their asses off these uh, the back half of the season, um, and it's been uh, and and you know shame uh, shame that Michael Carter got hurt because I think that was a a definitive blow uh, to the offense. He looked like he was primed for a huge day. Um, but it's, it's just like with the rest of it, you see that they got something cooking here. And I don't think that this unit is set. I think there's still work to be done in the off season, but again, it's one of those things where you can kind of see the foundational pieces. So it'll be interesting to see if, if they bring Morgan Moses back. Um, I know, you know, George Fant before he got hurt, but he anchored down that left side. So we'd be hard pressed to just give that back to Makai Becton uh, come next year. So it's going to be interesting, but at least you can see pieces um, you know, that you can rely on here for years to come. And uh, I think LDT is a piece uh, and we'll see if they bring in another guard. I'll uh, be a veteran or a, or a rookie, but um, there's work to be done still, but uh, you can see where this unit is, uh, is steadily improving and hopefully that could build to 2022. Yeah. If I had to guess today, and obviously there's a lot of time, we haven't agreed to the draft. I think the line next year, assuming there's no injuries going, like just going in will be fan at left tackle, AVT at left guard, um, a new center. I don't know who it'll be, but I think they'll, they'll either trade for somebody or sign for someone in free agency and cut Connor McGovern. And I think it'll be a toss up between LDT and potentially either a veteran or a rookie at right guard and then put Makaya at right tackle. I don't think Moses will come back. 
I think that they want to see what they could do with him, with Makai putting him at right tackle because Fant really has earned the playing time. And it's crazy to think we all laughed at that because in the 2024 agency, when it was like the heart of the pandemic and nothing was going on, we just wanted the Jets to do something. The first move they did was sign a converted tight end who started playing a swing tackle for the Seahawks to play, you know, right tackle for us. And he's ended up becoming a really good jet. So we got to give him a lot of credit. And that was a good move by Joe Douglas. He seems to have a pretty good eye for offensive line talent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was kind of odd because we, you know, us in Seattle kind of had a swap of, uh, of tackles there. I know they signed Brandon shell when we took George Fant, but I think we won out in that deal. I think George Fant has definitely been uh, impressive. He was a solid starter last year and he's been more than solid this year, especially filling in from a kind that left side, which is something that, uh, that he wasn't slated to do. So um, definitely impressive. I think, I think you're probably right. Cause I think Moses, uh, as much as he says, he wants to be back. It'd be, I'd be hard pressed to see him come back without a guaranteed starting role. Um, yeah. And I that, think and that's why I think, yeah, I think they'd love so, to bring him back, but I think that they want to see what they have in Makai if they put him on the right side and they feel like they feel comfortable leaving fat on the left side, just because of the way he's played this year. Yeah. And, you know, from fans perspective, selfishly, obviously we'd love to have Moses back just because you want that. Depth is depth. Because, exactly. And, and Makai Becton has, uh, has proven that he, you know, he's, he can't really stay healthy. So, um, you know, if you roll in the next year and Makai gets hurt and then you end up with Fant and, uh, and Moses again, uh, bookending uh, Zach Wilson, then I'm, you know, totally fine with that, but we'll see how it shakes out, but it's going to be, at least you, you, you know, you see the pieces there. It's not a complete question mark like it was last year. Um, so we'll see what happens in the off season, but it's like every other position group, man, it's going to be fun and exciting. Definitely. Um, I want to play a game with you here. So let's just do new year's resolutions for the team. So I want you to have one goal that you want the team to achieve, I guess, from now until the start of next season, like what's the one thing that you're hoping that they can do. It's like, I guess, to improve the team, it's a little bit different than the the Christmas shopping. It's more about just something like, maybe it's like, just changing a philosophy or just something that you want them to do. Uh, that's I'll, I'll go right with that. And I think Joe Douglas, uh, my wish would be for Joe Douglas to change his free agent philosophy. Um, I think now uh, this year is the time to do it. I think he is typically the type of guy that sets a value on a guy and doesn't go above that. I think he treats it as if it's his own money and he wants to save and penny pinch and, uh, and really conserve um, and build through the draft, which I think is fine uh, under normal circumstances. But I think, you know, I've mentioned it like 20 times in the show already. You see the foundational pieces here. Now's the time to go all in. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to be a competitive football team that's in the hunt in December next year, that's vying for a playoff spot in December next year. And the only way to do that is to marry those two philosophies to build through the draft and build through free agency. So I would love to see him go, you know, open up the checkbook, go hard after guys like Dalton Schultz, go hard after uh, players and playmakers that'll turn this defense around. Because I think if, if I were to say, now that would kind of be my philosophy is to go hard in free agency on defense and go hard in the draft on offense. Um, but that's, it's just, it's got to happen with Joe Douglas uh, kind of molding his, his approach um, to being aggressive in free agency and going out and overpaying because honestly, the jets tax that we all speak about, it's there, but you got the money to spend, man, you got the draft capital. Um, and I hope I'm not stealing from you uh, with, <laughs> with this, but Joe Caparoso has mentioned it a bunch too. veteran trade swings. You got draft capital too. see who's available on the trade market, make those swings, get a, you know, a Brandon, you know, Brandon Marshall from 2015, uh, you know, that type of trade that's gotta be out there. Uh, Santonio Holmes from back in the day, I think they gave up a fifth rounder for him. Those are the types of trades um, that you have to be scouring the market for to find out, you know, which teams are in the red, 
who uh, who needs to offload some contracts and who's got playmakers that are available for a fourth or a fifth or a sixth rounder or whatever. So um, I guess, it would, you know, to answer your question simply, uh, be Joe Douglas to somewhat change his offseason philosophy and go hard after veterans, whether they be free agents or through trade. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my thing was kind of a little bit like yours, but it's more draft focus. It's like, I don't want him to think just because you've addressed offense in the draft, you know, heavy the last two years in the, you know, the early part, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it again. If the edge guys don't obviously don't fall to us, which I don't think that they will. I don't want them just to take a safety or a corner just because they need both those things. I want them to get players that can impact this team today, whether it's a wide receiver, probably not a tight end in the first round. Cause I don't think any of them are really first round worthy, but if like, you know, offensive linemen, if you have to, you have to. And I just, I want to make sure that they are making this offense as good as possible for Zach Wilson to succeed. Obviously we have Elijah, who's a piece. We have Corey Davis, who's a piece, but we need to see a little bit more from him. And, you know, I feel really strongly about this. They got to extend Braxton Barrios. I'm very excited to see what he can do in a full-time slot role. It, it allows Elijah to go on the outside and, you know, he has good chemistry with Zach because they've had all this playing time together. But it doesn't matter. I want them to just get better on offense. It doesn't matter what they do. Just look at Joe Burrow. Like, I watched Joe Burrow. I watched that Bengals offense. And I'm like, this is what Joe Douglas needs to model this team. They built their defense through free agency. Obviously, we took Carl away from them. They get Troy Hendrickson, who was somebody I thought the Jets actually would go after because I didn't think Carl Lawson was realistic. But it, it seems like he's been, you know, a pretty strong dividend for them. But I would love for him to steal Jesse Bates in free agency. I just want to make sure that they are upgrading this offense as much as they can so we can really see what LaFleur can do when he has depth and he has just really strong playmakers because I think that can allow Zach to take a huge step in year two. So just make sure that you're getting the best offense you can in the offseason. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's just like we talked about with the offensive line, right? Just because we've seen improvement doesn't mean that in any way this is still a, a finished or this is a finished product, right? Like there's still holes in this team. There's holes across the board on offense and defense. So I, I agree with you. You got to still uh, address offense. And I think the way to do that is through the draft. So um, yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, there's, there's holes to be filled um, offensive line playmaker and you know, your Bengals point, a lot of people were killing the Bengals for taking uh, Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. Well, how's that looking now? So if the Jets go out and get a wide receiver early with that Seattle pick, man, I'll be over the moon happy because uh, it, I think you're, you're kind of seeing the blueprint here from teams like that, like Cincinnati, like Arizona, like, uh, you know, Buffalo a few years ago, that, that that's where the Jets need to be at. And that's what they need to do and surround this kid uh, with talented playmakers um, and a, a strong offensive line. So you can have an offense that can compete in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, obviously the defense has some holes, but I think, it's a lot easier to sign safeties and, you know, linebackers than it is to, you know, and then it is to sacrifice an early pick because I know Micah Parsons is awesome, but he's probably more of an edge rusher. I mean, like if we had a guy like him, that'd be amazing, but I don't really think there's any guys like him who are going to be available or worth taking that high. I mean, I know the guy from Purdue is the one guy in the edge who I'd be interested in taking because we just need edge help as best as quickly as possible and the best possible outcome as possible. So <laughs> It's just, you know, they just got to be aggressive, and that, that's all I can ask for. Um, I want to transition more to the, this final game because, obviously, there's no implications really other than the Jets can hurt their draft stock because they'd be moving up if they win and other teams lose. I'm kind of over that already. It doesn't matter. We're not trying to get a quarterback. Obviously, we, we're going to lose that on Hutch and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, but, like, I just want them to make Buffalo, you know, be scared. 
the Buffalo is playing to win the AFC. So it's like, they need this game and they're going to be coming, you know, bringing their all. This is going to be Buffalo 2019 when they had a playoff spot and they put in uh, Matt Barkley for basically most of the game and the Jets won like 10 to three, which was, or 10 to seven or whatever it was. So I just want to see this team compete and potentially steal this game from the bills. I think obviously the one thing you would think about in the back of your head is if we win this game, New England's going to win the division because yeah. they're not losing Miami. I hate to break it to anyone. They are not losing Miami, especially when they lost to them, I guess, in 2019, which cost them um, home field. And that was the end of Tom Brady in New England. They are not losing that game. Just like they were a lock this past week against Jacksonville. They are not losing. I just, And they already lost to Miami earlier in the season. They are motivated. But for me, just to steal that AFC East win and just show that, you know, we're coming, that would just be awesome for me just to see Zach play well. Because remember – they were worried about bringing him out too early with Miami and Buffalo when he was coming back from injury because their defenses were more physical. Like, show show them what you did against Tampa, against that defense, because Tampa's defense is really good too, even though they're banged up. So I just want to see, you know, similar to what we saw, because last week was the perfect game for this season. It was like the Jets look really good. It was against a good opponent, and they lost at the end. Like, if they lose in the end, whatever. But, like, if they lose on a last-second field goal, like, then I'm happy. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you. I would love to see at least a competitive game uh, and these these young kids fight. And there's no question they're going to fight. I mean, they're going to come out and they're going to play their asses off. I don't think uh, it's one nice thing about this season. I don't think anybody's laying down, um, which is good. And that's a, a, a definitely a nice and welcome change of pace from the from the past regime past few years. Um, I think historically speaking, this screams a, a letdown game uh, coming off an emotional loss where they punched above their weight class, probably should have won, definitely should have won, uh, and ended up, you know, losing. And now they're going to go uh, on the road to Buffalo, a tough place to play. Buffalo in January, I think they're expecting like two feet of snow right now. As <laughs> um, and, and play a, a hungry team that's playing well, playing for the division. That screams uh, letdown and, and blowout. Um, but I hope they can be competitive and I, I hope they can kind of go, uh, you know, uh, punch for punch with Josh Allen. And it'd be nice to see Zach Wilson and, and uh, you know, co um, do some things versus that defense and, and hang in there. Uh, I don't expect the game to be particularly close, but if they can, you know, keep it close for a quarter or two um, before letting up and where Buffalo just becomes too much, then, then that'd be, you know, good to see. And as long as they score a few points, um, don't let it be like a 38 to three blowout where they're just not in it from the get go. Um, I think I'll walk away happy with that. And I think overall you'll see just progress uh, for this season and it'll give us, uh, you know, time to look forward to our Super Bowl, which is the, the March uh, through May timeframe for us. Let, let's hope when, this time next year that when we're getting into free agency, it's not like this is our Super Bowl. Let's re, let's just add the piece we need to really yeah. become a threat in the AFC <clears throat> and potentially the Super Bowl. Exactly. I know that's crazy to say when coming out, but you know things change fast in the NFL. It's, I mean, the Bengals not, literally were not good last year, and look at them right yeah. now. They just won the division. Anything is possible, and I just want us to be in position. But I don't disagree with you. I think it could be a tough game for the Jets, especially. It's like emotionally they. They played their hearts out and they still came up short against a really strong opponent. But the one thing I will say is it is a division game and they always tend to be closer than they should be, especially mm-hmm. if there's a, there's like a huge gap in talent, but I just want to make Josh Allen's day a living hell. He did not play well against Atlanta. I know they won and they won by, I think by 14, but he was like 11 of 26. He had three interceptions. I know he had two rushing touchdowns, but like, the formula is there. Atlanta does not have this like really strong defense, but they were able to make him make mistakes. 
And I want to see the Jets do the same thing, like just force some turnovers, make them get scared. I mean, let's just be the frisky team. That was what I was saying heading into the season, be frisky. We were frisky last week. That's what I want again. Just the same level of effort, the same, you know, result. Like even if they lose the end, it's fine. Just get to that point, make them get scared. And, you know, it'll show us what we're going to see as we head into next season. Yeah, I think uh, the blueprint on Buffalo, I mean, they're they're a good team, obviously, but it, it seems like Josh Allen's got to play hero ball for them to win. Um, so if you shut down Josh Allen, which is no easy task. I mean, the guys, he's better than any one of us could have expected. He's better, better mm-hmm. than I thought he was ever going to be because I was definitely in the anti-Josh Allen camp in 2018. But Guilty. He is, yes. uh, he's, yeah, he's a legitimate quarterback. I mean, he's, you know, top five, top seven, whatever you want to call him in this league. Um, but you, you make him uncomfortable. Uh, you kind of, you keep him in the pocket, keep him from scrambling. Um, you know, that's going to be the key to this. And, and the Jets, you know, Tom Brady's a way different quarterback than Josh Allen. But for mm-hmm. the Jets to come out and play the way they did uh, against Brady and the Bucks, albeit, you know, Brady being down a couple of weapons, like that was – that's still – he's still Brady. And that's impressive. That's impressive for them to do. Um, so if they can have a little bit of that against Buffalo and against Josh Allen, I think, you know, maybe they hang in. So we'll see how it goes. Like you said, I, I hope it's uh, – I hope it's not a blowout. I hope they can kind of keep it close, but we'll see. You want to – Get into game predictions for uh, week 18, which is which is weird to say. But it's, uh, yeah. it's so weird, but like it's kind of awesome at the same time because I know we're slowly creeping closer to having the Super Bowl and President's Day weekend because <laughs> I feel like they may add another game and then we're really cooking here. But um, yep. I'm going to say it's going to be 28-17 Buffalo. They still lose by double digits, but they cover the number because I think it's up to 17, which I think is crazy to say after the Jets really showed up last week. I know they're going on the road. I know Buffalo really needs this game. So they, Vegas is anticipating that it should be a pretty easy game for Buffalo to win. But I'll t- I'll go back to my argument before. Division games are tough, and you just you never know in the NFL. Things could happen. I know people are hoping the Jaguars can maybe steal a game and beat the Colts, and then causes a complete chaos because then you have all that stuff with um, the Raiders and and the Chargers because like apparently if they both tie and that happens. They, they could just literally both make the playoffs, which would be so funny because they could just be like a kneel off. But I do think the Jets lose. I'm not going to pick them to win. It's it's not realistic at this point, even coming off a pretty impressive performance against Tampa. But I think it'll be entertaining. And I think Buffalo will pull away midway through the third quarter. First half will be in the game. I just pulled up the weather here for Buffalo on Sunday. So it looks like 40 <laughs> degrees with a, with a rain turning to snow. Uh, and 20 mile an hour winds uh, and, and the game got moved to late, which is like prime time for the Jets uh, nowadays. So um, that's awesome. But yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think the game will be um, semi-competitive. I think ultimately the Bills pulled off. Uh, I'll say 31, 21. Um, but I think ultimately we see the Jets and Zach Wilson look good again. Hopefully Elijah Moore comes back. I mean, I don't want to risk injury, but I'd like to see Elijah and Zach and Same. Michael Carter back out in the field. I mean, what have you got to lose the last game? So I think the Jets will finish the season four and 13, but with clear signs pointing in the right direction. Um, I think Zach looks good. I think the defense comes to compete again, um, but ultimately that Bill's offense and Josh Allen was just too much for him to handle and they lose by 10. All right. We both kind of feel similarly. It's like yeah. they'll hang in there a little bit, but probably end up faltering in the second half. Should we talk about Antonio Brown just making <laughs> I mean, just the craziest thing I think I've ever seen watching a football game. I, I, I thought so when I saw it on the screen because I was watching it outside and there was no sound. I thought it was first of all, I thought it was a fan at first. And then I realized yeah. he had like the pants on. And then I know like it looks like Antonio Brown. I'm like, is that pregame? And they're just showing this. And then I'm realizing it's literally happening right now. And I was reading this whole thing, how 
apparently the, the security people were going to try and tackle him, but then they realized he's a player and they can't do that. And it's just, it was the weirdest thing ever. And the fact that and the Bucks it, haven't caught him already is just hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, it was, uh, it's, it's insane. Uh, definitely the craziest thing I've seen watching football, definitely watching a Jets game. Um, but yeah, it was, it was odd. And I can't, I still can't understand why it wasn't a penalty. I know they had Pereira on that said, oh, this is not impacting the game, but still, it seemed odd to me. Um, by but the way, was, it, he was in, he was on the field though. Yeah, like I know. while they were yeah. about to snap the ball, granted that, the other side of the field, but like he's still yeah. on the, I don't know. It was, I mean, I, I'm not a ref, but it's 12 <laughs> men on the field, not like 12 men, you know, in the area of where the ball is. So, um, but either way, I mean, yeah, if he, he clearly, uh, you know, I don't think he's a, a good person by any stretch, but he also clearly needs help. So I hope, hopefully he can get it, man. Cause it's, uh, it's, you know, that's been a rough couple of years for Antonio Brown. Definitely. Yeah. It's, you know, it is what it is. And it's just really bizarre that they said they were, he's done as a Buccaneer, but he's still on the team three yeah. days later, whatever it's been. So it's, it was interesting. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Definitely. the game was interesting in itself, but then that just added a whole nother, uh, just, you know, effect to it. And I was just like, what is going on here? <laughs> um, but yeah, any other closing thoughts, Stephen, before we, you know, wrap it up? No, man, I am uh, honestly, you know, it's been a wild ride, I think, from from May uh, to now all the offseason stories, you know, uh, post draft and and us starting off on the schedule release night, which was fun. And then going through this roller coaster of a season and, and recapping wins against uh, Tennessee and Cincy and how fun that was. Uh, it's been awesome. And I really uh, I've, I enjoy the show and uh, definitely looking forward to a little break. But I think you and I are going to pop on here and there, you know, as, as things happen and, you know, news breaks and maybe we'll do some individual things, you know, short little uh, little clips or whatever. But keep, uh, you know, for the listeners and the, and the viewers, uh, keep your eyes on the lookout for more things to come from not only us, but the rest of the TOJ crew. Uh, a lot of things coming and uh, and definitely going to be worth, uh, you know, worth keeping your eyes out for. Definitely. And kind of building off Steven saying, like, we want to hear from you guys because we are taking a little break. We're going to try to figure out ways as we go into our next season of how to differentiate the show from what it was during our first season doing this together. So, you know, if there's things you guys want to see, you know, reach out to us, tweet at us, DM us. We want to we want to hear from you guys. And we really appreciate everyone who subscribed to the podcast, subscribed to the channel, tunes in live, listens to everything. It's it's great. And there's a lot of great content coming from us as TOJ people. Badlands, which I'm sure most of you who listen at this point probably are Badlands people because you follow us already. But um, like I said, don't forget to subscribe to our channel, youtube.com slash TV. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed, whether it's on Spotify, uh, Apple, or Google Play. And make sure you sign up for Patreon because Badlands is the best right in the offseason. That's where Joe and, and Connor own everybody in terms of Jets content in the offseason. So make sure you get there. Um, and we just appreciate everybody. It's, it's just been so much fun and, you know, one last ride next week. Before-